0: Happy Friday, and welcome to a new episode of This Week in Apps, a weekly no-fluff, data-first roundup of interesting news and trends about mobile apps and games. This is Ariel from Figures, and I have five highlights for you today. Actually, four highlights and one interesting critical thought that has some uh, some question marks. So let's jump right into it. The first item that I have on my list is kind of the big news that happened this week, and that is Korea forcing app stores, specifically Google and Apple, to allow third-party payment processors in apps. Now, last week, there was all this news where Apple kind of made it seem like they will allow this to happen, and that was not at all the case. It was just about emails, and it was completely useless and totally um, unrelated. But in this case, the government of Korea is now telling the App Store and Google Play, so Apple and Google, that they have to allow developers to use third-party processors inside the app. It's no longer talking about emails or links or anything like that, which is seriously big move. It's If that eventually actually happens, one, that can have a ripple effect across all other countries, um, but two, it will change how users consume apps and how Apple makes money on apps, and there's going to be a whole bunch of changes that happen. So for this to happen, I or not for this to happen really, but for me to understand if this will happen, I wanted to take a look at the data behind it and why. And I'll get to that in a second. Um, Why? Because I think that if you offer developers the ability to no longer pay 15%, and even if you look at the industry average, which is a little less than 5%, it's a huge difference, huge difference. So there's really no incentive for any developer, game developer, app developer, subscriptions, regular apps, in-app purchases, everything to switch to this. And so if this does actually go through... It will happen, and developers will switch to it. It's inevitable. But here's the thing. The thing is, I looked at the numbers, and Google and Apple have a ton to lose if this actually happens, not just because they lose control, which is the obvious one, but also because they stand to lose a ton of money. So let's look at the numbers. So far in 2021, our app intelligence shows that consumers spent $1.5 billion on the top 100 apps and games by revenue. Across both stores in Korea, all those developers make more than one million a year. So they give Apple thirty percent of that, and thirty percent adds up to about four hundred and sixty-three million dollars in fees. That means that Apple and Google have at least a half a billion dollars to fight this law. And since that sum is only from the top one hundred apps and games, that war chest is likely much larger. And that's if they want to break even. So. I don't think they care about that as much because they have what feels like infinite money and with this half a billion that they stand to lose, that's even infinite plus. So this is gonna be a fierce fight and I see it unfolding over the coming months. The little fun fact about this is that the law also states that stores that wouldn't do this and continue to operate will get fined three percent of all of their revenue in the country. So if you look at those numbers, that adds up to about 45 million. So Even if Apple and Google do nothing, they stand to lose very little in comparison, just continue against the law, um, which is really interesting. Now, there's a a much bigger debate about is 30% too much, is 15% too much? That's a totally different debate for a totally different episode. Maybe we'll do a special episode and invite some guests to talk about both the pros and the cons. But if you ask me, I don't think this is happening in Korea. I think they attempted it. And there are forces that are much stronger that involve a lot of money that will make it end. So that's kind of the big thing for me. Now, second thing on my list is the Mac App Store. Last week's revelation, which I would put in quotes, that developers are shipping fewer Mac apps, made the rounds. If you listen to the podcast, you'll know what I'm talking about or if you read the newsletter, you'll know what I'm talking about. But um, that little insight that I shared about how the new, number of new apps on the Mac App Store is declining made the news, and a bunch of publications picked it up, and there were some discussions about it on Twitter. But I got a bunch of questions because of that, and most of the questions were surrounding the what is actually available in the Mac App Store. And if you had asked me, I would have said business apps, because what else would be on the Mac App Store? Who would go to the Mac App Store for really anything else? Utilities, maybe. But that's really where the line ends, right? So, no, that is not at all the answer. Games are the answer. Lots and lots of games. I was super surprised because that is not my ideal destination for consuming games. Now, I'm not a gamer, and um, even though I'm not a gamer, I can tell you this is not the destination. The Mac is not the platform for gamers, and the Mac App Store is probably the last place a gamer would think about consuming games. Now, here's what's interesting. There are 5.2 thousand games in the Mac App Store. By far the largest category. And the next category behind it is utilities. So not even business. Business is way down the list at number six. Seven, actually. And so it's it's pretty interesting. Utilities has 4.9 thousand apps. Close. Productivity, 3.7 thousand apps. And education which comes right after productivity, has 2.6 thousand apps. I actually see education being a thing because you want to make it as easy as possible for students to go and download something. You just send the instructions for the class. You say, go to the Mac apps or download this. I'll just follow. But then you have music and entertainment and I really don't get it. Now, keep in mind, this list is by number of apps. So it's the number of people who thought that they could make money on the app store and created an app for it. Not by how much money is really being made. I have a feeling that if we look at that, Things will be much different, um, but let me bring this back to my point from last week. Lots of developers complain about Apple's fifteen percent, thirty percent, which I just mentioned for the App Store being too high. And while I think that's there is room for improvement, and like I said, room for a special episode, the reach the App Store has is massive. Without it, most apps and games would never get off the, gr- the ground, so they would never make a single penny. So they're giving something and they're getting something, but that's for iPhones. On uh, the Mac App Store, that's not at all the same. Most Apple users don't download desktop apps from the store. I mean, it has positives. There are reasons why you should go to the Mac App Store. And when it initially opened, I was like, yes, that's such a great idea. It's more secure. It's simple. Um, There's some discovery mechanism, but people still don't use it. Um, I think that the facts speak for themselves. And my point last week was that without the Mac App Store turning into a download destination, iOS apps on Mac, which are hopefully coming soon, are really dead on arrival, with Apple charging developers as much for inclusion in the tiny and I don't mean to be brashier but irrelevant store as they do for the main attraction, which is the iOS app store. Um, And because developers can publish apps outside of the Mac app store, there's really no reason, there's no way to justify being in the Mac app store. Which means that the only way iOS apps can take off on Mac, which is something that I believe Apple wants and I would like to see, the only way is if Apple drastically reduces the fee to be a part of the Mac App Store. Now, I don't think that's happening anytime soon. I just don't see it. and. In in a strange way, it's if you're a developer, you might have seen or felt this too. Apple is trying to push us away from, from using laptops and more towards using iPads for everything that isn't possible on the iPhone. So maybe that's related, because on a laptop, you at least have uh, an alternative. You can go to the web and do it, where on the iPad, you can't. So I don't think Apple wants to do it. I think, if anything, Apple wants to move us away from a device where we do have choice. And so... Unfortunately, I think iOS apps on the Mac are not going to take off. Um, That's sad, and I hope someone at Apple is listening to this and is going to do something about it. Um, Yeah. If you are at Apple and you're listening to this and you want to hear my thoughts, please let me know. I'm sure you have my email address. But I'm not going to hold my breath. Switching gears completely to, I guess, something that's also weird, but in a totally different way, TikTok's U.S. revenue jumped to its highest Single-day figure last week, and not by a little. It grew 50% from its last highest peak, which was earlier in August. It's three times what it was back in January of this year, and a whopping six x from January of 2020. But how? A mysterious meme. Uh, It actually took me a bit of time to uncover this one. But the source of the of all the commotion, which led to this revenue explosion, is a meme that no one really understands. I definitely don't. It's, it has something to do with August 27th and how that is a very specific date and something will happen on that date. It's passed and nothing really happened except for a lot of money. I, I will include a link to uh, an article that I found on Insider that goes into all the different reasons for this. This is on its own kind of strange and interesting, but really irrelevant. It's more to me about what the, what the commotion is about or less about what the commotion is about, and more about the impact. So just looking at the numbers quickly, net revenue in the U.S. reached $725,000 in a single day on August 27th. And that's the most that it's ever seen in the U.S. in a single day across the App Store and Google Play. So TikTok making money, not a big deal. I talk about that a lot, maybe too often. But it's not the number It's the sheer power that this TikTok user base has. I mean, we're talking about a meme that makes no sense, has some relationship to some uh, audio clip that no one really gets. And somehow that gave them the most money in a single day. And if you remember, the money that TikTok makes that we track is the money that goes to their creators. So their end users, TikTokers, are giving money to creators in droves. I think we knew that this was coming. It kind of makes sense. We talked about this a lot, and we've seen the impact that TikTok has on pretty much everything. We saw the impact that it has on downloads. We saw the impact that it has on making apps that did not exist before into something amazing that everyone talks about. And I think now we're seeing that this, with this spike, just how easy it is to to mobilize this kind of huge user base that will just do things. We've seen it in politics um, last year, and. We've seen it again, I think, with what's happening in Texas now. But while there's a lot more to read into mobilizing this user base, I think if you think about it from a developer perspective or a marketing perspective or really in our industry perspective, it's all about TikTok being the trend maker. If TikTok decides something needs to happen and TikTok not being the entity, the company behind TikTok, it's the people of TikTok, this group that has assembled and has so much force. That something will happen. As a marketer, I always think about ways to utilize this and leverage this to my advantage, hopefully, and I'm pretty sure that's happening already. A lot of other app developers and app marketers are thinking that way, but we'll definitely see more of this coming, more waves that are started through TikTok and continue into the App Store and into Google Play and just change the way we consume apps and change the way we see what we see. So definitely an interesting one. Switching gears to something. Also interesting, but that also fits something from last week, but very differently is McDonald's. Now, you know how I've been saying that the world is shifting from there's an app for that as a secondary thing to now everything starts in app. Last week, it was scooters. This week, I have another example of that for me from fast food giant McDonald's who saw downloads of its Happy Meal app, Skyrocket. Now, in case you haven't seen it yet, the Happy Meal app is a collection of games that interact with Happy Meal toys or can be played on their own. Now, considering everything is moving in-app, this move, which is taking the, almost taking the toys out of Happy Meal boxes and putting them into an app, it makes a ton of sense. The new world is no longer the kind of thing that you can touch, and it's the kind of thing that you use on your phone. Downloads of the app, which was released way back in 2013, but didn't get, didn't get as much love or promotion until now, grew 75x. 75x, Yes. To a peak of 38,000 downloads in a single day, which was last Sunday, and have kept up for much of the week. According to estimates, since, since the end of August, downloads have added up to 250,000. And for context, that's more than half of the total downloads the app saw in all of 2020. And we're talking about a week. McDonald's isn't the first to turn to mobile games as its way of staying relevant, though. Peloton did this, and I we covered this in a different episode. Louis Vuitton did this. We covered this, I think, two weeks ago. And Netflix did this maybe three or four weeks ago. So all of those are jumping headfirst into really one of the most competitive areas of mobile, and they're bringing their hefty war chests with them. I said war chest already in this episode, but this is, again, the same case. There's a bunch of money that's coming into kind of a new industry for them. But the question is, will McDonald's really get a good return out of this? They can invest, I'm sure, but will they get a good return? I think so. With nothing else to do in real life, mobile devices are really the main source of entertainment for many kids. Combine that with McDonald's ability to bridge the real life with the in-app experience using toys that you get when you go to the store. I think in a few years, history books will make all this evolutionary. That's just what it has to be. So I think they will be successful. Now the question is, how will the king react? I guess we'll look at that in the coming weeks when something happens. Last for this week is slightly less about the numbers and more about a thought that I had. So China announced a new set of laws that aim to detach kids from the claws of technology by limiting the amount of time they can play video games. Kids, which is everyone under the age of 18, are now only allowed to play video games for three hours a week. That's Not even it, though. They can only play during the weekend and holidays, and only during certain hours of the day, which actually end up being the night. So, very, 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 very strict. Now, much like my take on the laws in Korea, this has many implications. One of those which is not very direct is, to me, and the way I see it, a shift in how games will monetize. Specifically, I expect to see more games switched from the current monetization model, to subscriptions in China. And, and let me explain, because that hop may not be as clear as it is in my head. Think about it like this. If fewer people play games, there will be fewer opportunities to spend money in games. Now, most games monetize with consumable and not purchases. You pay for something, and then you use it, and then you pay for it again, and then you use it again, which when there's infinite time or unrestricted time to play, really, it's 24-7. So the more you give them, the more they will use. But now it's either going to take more time to consume or there will be less consumption. Now, limiting the potential of in-app purchases will mean revenue for many games will become less stable and more unpredictable. And those two words are not really the kind of words that founders or investors enjoy. In fact, I'm pretty sure they hate it. I know I would. Now, they're also the two things that subscriptions solve. The total might end up being a little bit lower because there is a reasonable limit to what people will pay on a recurring basis, considering they'll only be able to enjoy it for like an hour a day on the weekend. But it will make revenue predictable and stable, and that's a positive in for every business, really. Now, looking pure, purely at numbers, I compare the top 10 games in China and the revenue they earned in the last month versus the top 10 apps to see if maybe apps make so much more money that who cares about games? Maybe that is obviously not the case. The game side of the equation earned $170 million and that's in, in dollars in net revenue in August. So that went into developers pockets where apps brought in 143 million and two of those apps in the top 10 belong to TikTok, which is I put in a totally different category. So games are making considerably more now. This total isn't just from uh, games that are played by kids. And so I'm sure the impact once this actually happens is not going to be as drastic. So it's not going to cut in half or anything like that. But if you think about it, over time, if kids are not, if kids are being taken away from games, they will play less games as they exit the 18 and under category. And that's obviously what the Chinese government really wants. And that's, again, a whole other discussion for a whole other day. But it will have an impact. And so... We've seen a massive shift towards subscriptions from apps over the last few years, and that's why we're constantly working to improve our subscription analytics for developers. So I think it's easy to say that many people are kind of primed to accept this type of monetization, and they're not going to hate it, which is what a lot of people thought way back when this was introduced. The only little thing is primed doesn't necessarily mean they will jump on the subscription bandwagon. So how this evolves is going to be very interesting. And that's it for me for this week. I hope you enjoyed this episode, and if you have, please tell your friends about it and make sure they all subscribe. We also have a newsletter, and if you want any sort of app intelligence for your app or for your game, so you can compete better, head on slash intelligence to get it for yourself. We're a pretty affordable solution, and our data is really accurate. Anyway, that's it for me. See you next week.